welcome to Easy Easy Bake Bake Takes, Takes, the podcast where we reach you the one-star reviews of your favorite movies and more. My name is Kat. (laughs) That's Riley. I almost forgot to say it. (laughs) So we decided to do an M. Night Shyamalan week and I picked The Village. So The Village came out in 2004, is rated PG-13, and is a thriller horror that is an hour and 48 minutes long. And Obviously, it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie, so if you haven't seen it or you don't want the twist to be spoiled, watch it first and come back. It's a really good twist, so go watch it. If you don't know the twist by now, because this movie is from 2004. Yeah, it's old as shit. (laughs) But the plot. Residents of the small, isolated 19th century Pennsylvania village of Covington live in fear of those we don't speak of, nameless humanoid creatures living within the surrounding woods. The villagers have constructed a large barrier of oil lanterns and watchtowers that are constantly staffed. After the funeral of a child, the village elders deny Lucius Hunt's request for permission to pass through the woods to get medical supplies for the towns. Later, his mother Alice scolds him for wanting to visit the towns, which the villagers describe as wicked. The elders also appear to have secrets, keeping physical mementos hidden in black boxes, supposedly reminders of the evil and tragedy in the towns they left behind. After Lucius makes an unsanctioned venture into the woods, the creatures leave warnings in the form of splashes of red paint on all the villagers' doors. Ivy Elizabeth Walker, the blind daughter of Chief Elder Edward Walker, informs Lucius that she has strong feelings for him and he returns her affections. They are arranged to be married, but Noah Percy stabs Lucius out of jealousy. Noah is locked in a room while a decision awaits regarding his fate. Edward goes against the wishes of the other elders, agreeing to let Ivy pass through the forest and seek medicine for Lucius. Before she leaves, Edward explains that the creatures inhabiting the woods are members of their community wearing costumes and have continued the legend of monsters to frighten and deter others from attempting to leave. Two young men are sent to accompany Ivy in the forest, but they abandon her almost immediately, fearful of the creatures. Shit. While traveling through the forest, one of the creatures attacks Ivy. She tricks it into following into a deep hole to its death. The creature is Noah wearing one of the costumes, which he discovered under the floorboards of the room where he had been confined after stabbing Lucius. As she travels through the woods, Ivy's parents unlock a box and look at photographs of the elders outside a counseling center, revealing that it is the early 21st century instead of the 19th century. After she climbs over the wall at the edge of the woods, Ivy encounters a park ranger driving a patrol car who is shocked to hear that she has come out of the woods. Ivy gives the ranger a list of medicines that she must acquire. The ranger talks to his boss not mentioning his encounter with Ivy. The village was founded in the late 1970s by Edward Walker, then a professor of American history at the University of Pennsylvania. Recruiting people he met at a grief counseling clinic, they join in creating a place where they would live and be protected from any aspect of the outside world. Edward's family fortune purchased a wildlife preserve, built Covington in the middle, funded a ranger corps to make sure no one got in, and even paid off the government to make it a no-fly zone. The park ranger retrieves the requested medicine from the ranger station and Ivy Ivy returns to the village, unaware of the truth of the situation. During her absence, the elders secretly open their black boxes, each containing mementos from their lives in the outside world, including items related to their past traumas as crime victims. They gather around Lucius's bed when they hear that Ivy has returned and that she killed one of the monsters. Edward points out to Noah's grieving mother that his death will allow them to continue deceiving the rest of the villagers that there are creatures in the woods. The end. Crazy twist. And like a lot of movies with twists like this, there's nothing like watching it for the first time. Yeah. Because then you're like, oh, what? <laughs> I was like 10, so I didn't get it <laughs> until like my third watch. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. I think I, th- I watched it the first time in like high school. So I, I understood it. I think I made you watch it in high school. <laughs> I think you did. You like told me about it. And I was yeah. like, okay, well, she was right about misery and dazed and confused. So <laughs> I'll give this one a chance. <laughs> <laughs> this, this movie was written and directed by Abnai Shyamalan. And it was composed by James Newton Howard with the violin performance by acclaimed violin prodigy Hilary Hahn. The cast includes Joaquin Phoenix as Lucius, Bryce Dallas Howard as Ivy Elizabeth Walker, and this is her debut film role, Adrian Brody as Noah, William Hurt as Edward Walker, Brendan Gleeson as August Nicholson, Jerry Jones as Mrs. Clack, Frank Collison as Victor, Celia Weston as Vivian Percy, Judy Greer as Kitty Walker, Jesse Eisenberg as Jameson, and M. Night Shyamalan as Garnet Desk. So this movie had a budget of 60 million and made 256 million at the box office. I wasn't expecting that because of how badly people talked about this movie when it came out. I think the reason for that, because like Sixth Sense, 
I think was oh yeah you're you're right you're so right. they all and thought the, and oh, signs. this is in signs they were like oh you know really good movies we gotta go see it it's the M Night Shyamalan movie mm -hmm. but I have some trivia so like other Shyamalan productions this film had a high levels of secrecy surrounding it to protect the expected twist ending that became a known Shyamalan trademark despite that the script was stolen over a year before the film was released prompting many pre-reviews of the film on several internet film sites and much fan speculation about plot details dang that sucks someone dropped the ball on that yeah i'm sure he changed it oh yeah this this one kind of goes with it in april and may of 2004 several of the lead actors were called back to the set reports noted that it seemed to have something to do with the change to the film's ending in fact the film's final ending differs from the ending in a stolen version of the script that surfaced er a year earlier the script version ends after ivy climbs over the wall and gets help from a truck driver while the film version has ivy meeting a park ranger and scenes where she returns to the village I think the ending the new ending is probably better because we get to we get that she makes it back the original ending seems like more of a classic m night Shyamalan ending just to be like she got over the wall there's a truck driver the end i think the new endings makes a lot more sense it does way more closure too yeah definitely which like you don't expect from his movies with the twists usually it's kind of like and then we didn't know what happened next but I guess it's kind of the same thing. It's like Ivy's aware now. So either I guess she's going to do something about that or she's going to continue to play along. Yeah, she's aware about the monsters, but she doesn't know. Yeah, she doesn't know that they're in the 21st century. Yeah, not that you would like really when you, when you think it's a certain time period and you're look, you know, you're looking around. Well, the car. Yeah, but it's like you wouldn't know. You would think like what yeah. kind of technology do they, I guess they have that we don't. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah, that's true. I, you know, it was purposeful to make her character blind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But director M. Night Shyamalan put the entire cast through a 19th century boot camp in order to get ready to get, for them to get a good feel for the time period. And Walking Phoenix made a wooden walking stick for Bright Stylus Howard during this. He engraved the name of her character Ivy on the walking stick. That's sweet. I like that. Yeah, I thought that was really cute. And then it took the crew 11 weeks to build the set for the village. There were nearly 300 people in the scenic and construction department. I bet, because those houses look real nice. Apparently, Sigourney Weaver suffered nightmares for two weeks after reading the script. I get that. Pretty intense. And this <laughs> film is included on film critic Roger Ebert's most hated list. Really? Oh my god, that's so fucking funny. Of course he hated it. So... There was some um, plagiarism allegations with this movie. You saw it come up a few times. People were comparing it to a lot of different things. So Simon & Schuster, publishers of the 1995 young adult book Running Out of Time by Margaret Peterson Haddix, claimed that the film had taken ideas from the book. The plot of Shyamalan's movie had several similarities to the book. They both involve a 19th century village, which is actually a park in the present day, having young heroines on the search for medical supplies, and both have adult leaders bent on keeping the children in their village from discovering the truth. No lawsuit was ever filed over the similarity. I mean, that was the plot right there. Yeah. Quite literally, so. Several similarities, you mean the plot? The whole movie. <laughs> Just you have different character names. Yeah, I could, I could see I could see how you get upset about that. I could see how, yeah. I'm surprised there's no lawsuit. Yeah. Because I feel like that would hold up in court. That's a pretty good uh, amount of evidence, mm -hmm. but it's kind of a waste of money at a certain point to take it through the whole lawsuit. Really? Yeah. Just reading that little bit of it, though, I mean, that's the plot of the movie. Yep. That's, just, that's just what happens in the movie. That's that's it. Dang, that's funny. <laughs> and so apparently, according to Stephen Bodecker, the MPAA gave the film an R rating due to a single sound effect, which was later removed. It was the sound of the knife stabbing Lucius. Bodecker has stated that the scene worked even better without it. I think there is a haunting moment or realization of like why is he standing so close to him and he looks down he's pulling out the knife i guess it is more effective in that way and probably more realistic yeah because if you hear the stab you you realize before the character but you're realizing with the character instead yeah is this a pretty haunting moment yeah i can see that i think it is probably for the best that they took out the um 
sound effect because I think the scene works hauntingly without that noise. And then lastly, another um, literary similarity with this movie and something else is that this film seems to reference Plato's The Allegory of the Cave. Plato describes a group of people who have lived chained to the wall of a cave all their lives, facing a blank wall. The people watch shadows projected on the wall from objects passing in front of the fire behind them and give names to these shadows. The shadows are the prisoner's reality, but are not accurate representations of the real world. The shadows represent the fragment of reality that we can normally perceive through our senses while the objects under the sun represent the true forms of objects that we can only perceive through reason. In Plato's allegory, there is a character that leaves to see the outside world. Once they know the truth of the outside world, they are now able to free the others from the reality they are stuck in. And the allegory comes from, is it the right thing to do to tell everybody the reality or to keep them in the version that they are aware of? One of those things where you could definitely argue this is a cult movie, definitely. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's definitely a cult movie. I mean, the fact that they don't have access to medical stuff is pretty messed up. I don't understand why the elders don't just go out there and go get it. Yeah, why Why couldn't they do it? I don't, I, that is one thing about this movie is like, couldn't, it's a day's walk. You're fine. <laughs> like, I don't understand why they can't. Yeah, they know you out there. Is it because... Well, also, they keep saying, like, we can't leave because then they're going to know we're in here and jeopardize everything. That's the thing. Because you can't just climb over the fence looking like you do and be like, oh, I need penicillin or whatever. Yeah. So I guess the, the rangers don't know what they're guarding. Oh, yeah. They just know it's a it's a national park. Yeah. That they just. Yeah. It's not like they got have permission to be in there doing what they're doing. Send the dude who paid for the thing, though. Just send him. Yeah. I don't understand. Again, I it's they do send ivy to go do it was like why can't why can't you go i think it's because i think they do actually explain that it's like oh i can't bear it i can't i can't bring myself to go back out into the outside world even for a minute they need to get over that <laughs> they need medicine people are dying in their village that's the whole thing i do think it's not great because where's their free will if they wanted to leave and go see the world so i think there is a morality thing about it where it's like no it's not that good and oh, I, for sure but do you want to break that reality for them, that shock. Yeah. Do you want to break what they know, the truth that they know? It's a lot to learn that your whole life is a lie. Yeah. Everything you've been told by the people you trusted the most was a lie. It's pretty crazy. Is ignorance truly bliss? I guess that is the dilemma. I don't know. I don't know what to think when when you put it like that. What if they, what if they have like a bad like crop season? They have no food. What do you do? They starve? Like five pepperoni pizzas. <laughs> That's the, okay, that's the real crime. Those kids don't know what pizza is. If they're growing tomatoes, they got wheat, they could make pizza. They got cows. Just take some time. That's true. Won't be 30 minutes or less. <laughs> it's not gonna be like Domino's. You're not gonna get the garlic butter. Mm. But they have nothing to compare it to. That's the that's the crime though. They never had it. It exists. True. They need it. I need it. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> that's the biggest crime in this movie. These kids don't know pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Where are they getting their seasoning? Where's the salt? Where's the pepper? Where's the uh, other stuff? <laughs> the earth. <laughs> you know how they're. I don't know, they can grow peppercorns. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I guess they can. But where do you get salt? You know, it's these are not. Don't, don't ask me that. I don't know. I don't know. I know that you can get salt from the ocean. Yeah, but they're not near ocean. I'm gonna Google it. Where to get salt? If it pulls up a grocery store. The store. H E B. Yep. That's what it says. <laughs> just show, just show. That's probably where they went, you know? Yeah. H-E-B. Yeah, there's an H-E-B up there. Um, well, isn't there like mines? There's salt mines. Uh, there's salt mines. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, and it's another thing like the pizza. If they don't know what ta food tastes like without salt. Yeah, that's all they, they don't know. They're all white anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other thing about this movie. It's kind of weirdly, weirdly white. Yeah. Okay. So that was the last trivia fact I had. The other thing, the one thing I did want to mention, because it came up, was that is not how no-fly zones work. Oh, what do you mean? Military personnel can still fly over the zone. With how no-fly zones actually work, somebody would have seen a plane at some point. Someone would be like, what the fuck is that? And just hide your eyes. There's been a new rule. The birds. The, the birds. Anytime that. A dragon. Yeah. <laughs> they would have just told them it's a dragon. I would have, because what else are you going to say? Oh, it's a dragon. Don't look at it. It's going to come down and eat. Don't look at it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But so that's all the trivia. What are your thoughts? When's the last time you watched it before this? Uh, a few years ago. Or not that long ago. It's not that even that few years ago. I'd probably say 
within a year. I like this movie. I do. I watch it <laughs> and I like it. There's problems. I understand. Mm -hmm. I will talk about the stuff I do like. Okay. I think this movie is... I was watching it. I was like, Hosier would sound so good with this movie. Oh my God. Are you kidding? Imagine work song in this movie. Like if he's, slow, he's slowly getting stabbed and the song's playing and Ivy's running to find him. Mm, cherry wine. Cherry wine would be very good with this movie. I think Hosier should be in everything. Yeah, honestly. Also, th this movie very much has like fall Hosier vibes. Yeah. This movie gives me Wicker Man vibes. Like, there's a lot of shots where I'm like, God, oh, that could have been from Wicker Man. It kind of has that icon... Iconography. Iconography. I was going to go iconography. <laughs> Not like Midsummer though. There are some stills from this movie when they're wearing the flower crowns. A little bit. At the wedding. It gives some Midsummer vibe there. Inherently, if something gives Wicker Man vibes, it probably gives a little Midsummer vibe too. I mean, the color palette too, kind of with both. Mm-hmm, definitely. I could see it more Wicker Man with how like rich the colors are. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say muted because there are like some, there are some bright colors, I would say. Well, the reds and yellows. The reds and yellows, definitely. So I was 10 when I watched this movie. The pipeline to the, to this movie, to my future obsession with Mama and Sons, was direct, direct pipeline. That's unsurprising because Mumford and Sons for you I think it, it went even further it was like a Mumford and Sons to Hosier pipeline after that yeah I um yeah I really do like the twist <laughs> I didn't know it was stolen but I really like the twist and I just really like the story I love the cast everyone's amazing the more I watch the more I'm like I get why people wouldn't like it but I still like it uh -huh. I still see the good parts. I don't have much more to say. I, there's there's other things I could say, but just like, I'll say them later, I guess. Yeah. I agree with everything you said. I watched it as like a 14-year-old, so like the love story stuff, I was like, oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Why can't you say everything on your mind? Why do you say everything <laughs> on your mind? Oh my god. I love them. They're so in love. They're perfect for each other. Oh my god. The dialogue sucks. <laughs> I love the dialogue. I don't think it's that bad. I don't. I think you could argue like, yeah, these people lived in, they grew up in this village. Maybe that's just how they, this <laughs> they, is how they talk. To talk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, there's like a staccato to the way they talk to where it's like almost like they were trying to go for this like Shakespearean dialogue thing, but it didn't pan out. That's literally what Austin said. And I didn't think it was that bad. I, I liked it. <laughs> it just, it feels like a failed iambic pentameter kind of situation. <laughs> It's not like it takes away from it. It's just like something that you get a good chuckle at because it's like, what are, you, what are these motherfuckers saying? It's like the actors are good in it, you know? Mm -hmm. They're good. But for me, it's one of those movies where I would I would utter the phrase, they're doing the best with the script they have. You watched it when you were 10. To you, it sounds like poetry. To me, it sounds like... Yeah, that's something I do have to remind myself. I watched this when I was younger. And really liked it. Here's yeah. the thing, though, it hasn't faltered that much <laughs> since growing up, since being 25 now. Once you like, you get used to the way they talk. It is enjoyable. It's just like at first you're like, what? <laughs> that was really the only thing where I was like, I remember this sounding better. Remember <laughs> this sounding better. <laughs> Uh, there's been definitely movies where I thought that where I'm like oh my god I love this movie watched it I was like oh that was dog shit this movie hasn't uh, it hasn't happened to me yet I don't think it will at this point it's probably too late yeah I still enjoyed my time watching it I loved it the first time I watched it but this is one of those movies where the first time you watch it is I mean in your case you were 10 so you didn't understand the twist right away mm -hmm. but you still enjoyed it obviously yeah but it's I like it. when I watch it <laughs> When a movie has a twist, the first time you watch it and the twist is revealed, that is the most like exciting watch. So I don't think it lived up to the first time I watched it. That's fair. But I enjoyed it. That's good, though. I'm glad you still enjoyed it. And I don't think it deserves all the hate that it got. And some people still hold that hate towards it. But I also do understand that there are things wrong with this movie. And in comparison to his previous works, it's not his best work per se but it's it's not the happening you know it's, it's no happening <laughs> now the happening its own is it's its own thing <laughs> 
Yeah, so I don't I don't have a whole lot to say because a lot of stuff gets brought up in the reviews. So do you have anything else you want to add before we move on? No, because I'll probably bring up stuff later. So this movie had a 43% from critics and a 57% from audience on Rotten Tomatoes and a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb. The IMDb one isn't that bad. Yeah, there were a lot of people who were like, guys, come on. It's, <laughs> it's not, not that, that bad. bad. It's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, but to move on to the critics... The first review I have is from Debbie Lynn Ellis on Behind the Lens, and they start with, quote, The village pales in comparisons to his prior works, The Sixth Sense and Signs, and with a more challenging and observant audience, the filmmaker is forced to raise the bar just to keep one step ahead of them. Sadly, Knight fails to do that here, and much of the expected carefully crafted revelations and crisply constructed characters are missing, end quote. I don't agree. I, uh, I really enjoy the characters. I think... Um, I do. I just enjoy the characters. I don't have complaints about char- the characters in this movie too much. I I think with the way that this movie is, the characters are inherently very surface level for most of the movie. Mm. You can't get to know them until you know what the world is actually like for them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, you don't get to know them in the way that you get to know the characters in Signs and The Sixth Sense. That's true. I would say the characters are way more developed in Signs. I, I agree with that, actually. So I can see I can see the point there. Yeah. I don't think it, it, makes, it means that this movie's not enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But in comparison, you know, when you're when you're comparing his other movies, I can understand that. Mm-hmm. But they go on to say, "quote powerfully poignant, gifted with an inner fortitude that transcends the story and an expressive multi-dimensional faceting of characterization." Bryce steals every scene and does, in fact, rise above the weak plot points, including her wearing a yellow riding hood, walking through the forest, much like Little Red Riding Hood, and dialogue. Either it's genetic, excellent tutelage by her father, or a combination of both. But her work surpasses all other in the film end quote she is really amazing in this movie and she is super talented she really is and not to stray from this movie but she um she's directed uh some mandalorian episodes and she is really good she's just talented she really is oh yeah nepotism baby she is a nepotism baby but she i think she is talented i really do like i kind of get it some of them are some of them are some of them are just really talented yes does she get uh you know access to 10 steps ahead 10 steps ahead yeah but she is good <laughs> i do like her yeah ne- nepotism babies are more annoying when they're not talented like Haley bieber and they're just famous for yes they're famous for no reason yeah and then they say quote effective thanks here to the chemistry with bryce joaquin exudes a tacit strength that works well in Shyamalan thrillers veterans sigourney weaver and william hurt seem out of place and lost with no real character definition or emotion due in large part i believe to the substandard Shyamalan script end quote and i think that goes back to what i was saying where you the way the movie set up you can't get to know them especially those the elders you cannot get to know them that well I agree because they're the elders and you they're secrets. But th- that's kind of part of the movie. That's almost like, you know, like Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay, okay, I get your point now. So it's 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 working for the movie. Maybe they wanted more, which I can understand, but like, you know, you can't. You really can't with this movie. I, I okay, I get that. Yeah, I understand that. Mm-hmm. And then, quote, and as for the script written by Shyamalan, the story is replete with lots of missing links. No fill to provide a backstory, premature climax, which leaves one with a feeling of being shortchanged, multiple subplots that start and suddenly stop with no rhyme or reason, and lack of attention to individual characters in detail makes this a surprising disappointment. While it's not a well-crafted script that elicits fear, Shyamalan does get kudos for the technical accomplishments that help overcome some of the other lesser aspects of the film, end quote. I would have liked more of a backstory, maybe. A lot of people probably do not want this, but if the movie was longer, I would not have mind. I would have not mind. If I got a little bit more detail and backstory about this place, I, I could I could see that being but working for it. I do not understand when they see the multiple subplots. I don't understand that. I don't really see them starting at stopping i guess it's because it's another thing with the way this movie is it's like you're in a village so there are other things going on but the story's not focusing on those other things so you're not always going to get answers to those but to be fair when you're making something like that you don't put things in for no like for no reason you don't just throw subplots in you know so i understand how that could be frustrating i just don't know what they're talking like for example like i need an example what they're talking about with at least the premature climax thing is like the love story being built and then him getting stabbed right after 30 minutes into the movie yeah 
Yeah. Inherently, the way that this movie is set up, I think it's 100% you either like it or you don't. That's what I'm thinking, because, like, I don't see these as problems. To me, when I watch this movie, it makes sense. I'm convinced. I'm I'm not complaining about what's going on or how it goes. It makes sense. It, it just does. I don't know how to explain it other than, like, I don't see these as problems. Yeah. The way that I see this story itself is kind of like a fable or, like, a storybook story. So... The way that it's set up and flows makes sense when I'm looking at it that way. But if you're looking at it as a movie in general that's telling a story, like the way that movies tell stories, I think this movie diverts from normal storytelling. Yes, definitely. And that's a good way to put it, too. Some people might see it as half-assed. <laughs> Some people might see it as intentional. You know? Um, no, it was intentional. I liked it. I got it. <laughs> yeah. I, I went with it. If you like the movie, it's intentional, you know? <laughs> if you don't, it's half-assed. That's so funny. It's half-assed. That's so funny. So they say, they say, quote, Cinematographer Roger Deakins champions the cause with his work, not only with his use of muted palettes accented with the trademark Shyamalan red pop-ups, but through some very effective handheld camera styling that are guaranteed to raise the threat level a few notches. Intensifying the technical excellence is an effective score by James Newton Howard, who also scored for signs. Again, his work helps elevate the lackluster scripting, end quote. That is something I do want to talk about. The scoring of this movie is beautiful. And I think that's just what draws me me into this movie a lot is like this score like also um cinematography in this movie is, is gorgeous there's it's roger deakins dude he is not gonna fail you it is a gorgeous looking movie with amazing score i'm kind of a sucker for that sometimes and with this movie i think <laughs> i just really do i think it's a pretty movie beautiful shots beautiful score i really love it it just works for me i don't know if this will make sense to you i know it'll make some sense to somebody out there mm-hmm it's very much a like Tumblr mood board kind of movie. There are a lot of pretty shots you could pull from. There are a lot of quotes. I think you're more drawn into the emotional effects of this movie. Mm-hmm, definitely. It makes up for what other people might see as lacking in it. Yeah, it does. I'm a sucker for it. I really am. It, the movie it, the movie tricked me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the 14-year-old in you still loves it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something like Donnie Darko. I literally was like, I... I don't care about anything else. I like it for the vibes. <laughs> I like the vibes. I understand liking this movie for the vibes too. Yeah, definitely. But this person ends with, quote, Despite its shortcomings, the village still qualifies as an exceptional thriller and, as to be expected, does require a second viewing to pick up all the tells. And while it has some distinct moments that are capable of scaring the pants off you, when compared to Shyamalan's more meticulous works, for the avid Shyamalan fan, disappointment is the guaranteed outcome, end quote. I think back in the day, it's scary. I just know all the beats, so it's like, it doesn't really scare me anymore. When I was a kid, it, it did scare me. It is. And they are scary, like, looking monsters. Like, pretty awful looking. They look like, uh, porky pines they do yeah not to go back but like the romance the romance like when he comes and saves her you know before um yeah that's sweet when he grabs her hand and... i love that scene so much like it's it's so like he saves her from the monster and it's just like kind of crazy but it's like one of those things too where you think back like what this person's saying like when you watch it for the second or third or tenth time like me you watch the tells what was the monster gonna do i don't think they're going around killing people <laughs> i think they're just trying to really really scare them they are willing to use people's deaths to their benefit though she's kind of hypocritical of them Ooh, that is true because i guess at the end they're going to use noah to manipulate people into further saying they're real and they're dangerous yeah exactly i understand what this person's saying and i understand why people might not like this movie i don't get it i just don't get it i just don't see i don't see the criticism i mean you seem to get it when i explained it yeah a little bit it just it, it doesn't phase me really if this movie didn't have the emotional vibes, those things might get on your nerve a little more. Yeah. Oh, no, no. If it didn't have the vibes that I like in this movie, yeah, I get, I get that. I get that. The next review is by Steve Newton from Georgia Strait, written in 2004, who gave it a two out of five. So they start with, quote, that M. Night Shyamalan guy sure loves secrets. Heck, he won't even tell us his first name. That's a good one. <laughs> the director's the director's latest film, The Village, is built on a foundation of secrets, but despite a cast that includes Oscar winners Adrian Brody and William Hurt and Oscar nominees Joaquin Phoenix and Sigourney Weaver, it is by far Shyamalan's most unsatisfying work to date. The theme of fear and its effects on people's freedom is a timely one, but he forgot to make the movie entertaining, end quote. I was entertained. <laughs> <laughs> Works for me. Works for me. <laughs> 
Quote, Shyamalan is known for slowly, subtly building up a story, but he goes overboard with that technique with this time around. So for the first half of the film, we get to see the terminally pained looking Hunt mope around, attend solemn town meetings, and then mope around a whole lot more up until somebody gets knifed in the gut. The village is about as interesting as an episode of UPN's Amish in the City without the city, end quote. They always did remind me of Amish people and like kind of reflected back, like forgot what it's called, but once they reach a certain age. Rumspringa. Well, yeah, they get to choose. They, they go on. Rumspringa. They get to do that and they get to pick whether you're going to stay in the community or not. I'm like, I always thought that was a maybe a solution for the movie. To have a choice in it. Yeah, to have a choice at least. But it's like one of those things where you can't really do that because you jeopardize. You, they're not legally supposed to be in there, I don't think. They can't have people going in and out. <laughs> yeah. You're not paying taxes. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> We've been looking for you for years. None of these people have, uh, none of the children who were born there have social security numbers. <laughs> they are no not they don't exist they don't exist in the system none of them do if someone looked at it for five seconds basically all these people are missing they're they haven't been recorded for 20 years outside in the real world it'd be an assumed dead probably yeah assumed dead but if someone looked at the case for five minutes or like, okay, what did this dude do before he disappeared? Oh, he, you know, he took out all his money. They all did. They met in a grief group, first of all. They all met in a grief group, so they're all connected here. Also, he paid for a no-fly thing over a national park. Hmm, <laughs> I wonder. I wonder where they might be. I wonder where they might be. If they looked for five minutes, they would definitely have been found, but... Who knows? Yeah. But lastly, this person says, quote, It isn't until eloquent town leader Edward Walker reveals to his sightless daughter what's in the old shed we should never use that you realize something vaguely resembling a thriller is up there on the screen. But when he sends her into the Blair Witch-like forest on a hazardous quest to score the medicine a villager's life depends on, it becomes clear that Shyamalan, the writer, hasn't overcome the inanity of his previous film. The preposterous alien attack flick signs end quote i'm not gonna talk about signs we're gonna save that for next week but i do love that they're like oh yeah the color we don't speak of the old shed no one can use <laughs> like i just such I, creative names for things very creative and also i just love how everyone just like shrugs their shoulders and goes like yeah that's fine like all right why should we never use the shed? i don't know i don't, I don't know. care all right that's not my business <laughs> i really do like that if i know anything it's minding my business <laughs> personally i think you could see things like the old shed we should never use those we do not speak of whatever the bad color that's just uncreative writing in my opinion it's very very long-winded sentences you are an american history professor sir there's probably a name you could pull from in there yeah <laughs> I still like it. Yeah, yeah. I know how silly these can sound, though. And that seemed to be a little bit of an issue some people had. They were like, this movie's trying to be so serious, but it's hard to take seriously. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, yeah, sometimes. Mm -hmm. The old shed we never use. Is that really what we're going to call it? Call it like the death shed or something. I don't know, make it sound more scary. Yeah, <laughs> the death shed. There we go. That's the death funny. box. I don't death know. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I gotta, I get what this person's saying. Genre-wise, this definitely is not your typical horror thriller. It's definitely not a horror. No, I wouldn't it's say more so. more of a thriller. It's more thriller. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I do think it takes a while to even really feel like a thriller, too. Yeah. So this next one's from Movie Eye by Frank Oching from 2004, who gave it a C-. minus. Starting with, quote, Surprisingly, the film's top-notch cast, as well as its director's generic script, cannot elevate this plotting and progressively weightless psychological thriller beyond its rudimentary means. This shock fest is a tedious bore and doesn't even begin to ignite the protrusive passion that trademark Shyamalan films are known for in content and creativity, end quote. And then, quote, This movie is gratingly slow in its meditative drive and offers a cheesy forum of high camp hokum that is uncharacteristic of Shyamalan's cinematic cynical surge. Whatever Hitchcock and comparisons being made in reference to Shyamalan's filmmaking touch may be put on hold thanks to this stiff excursion that teeters on in a profound thud. The scare factor hardly registers and the skin-crawling tendencies are considerably weak need. For a movie maker with a gifted gumption for challenging filmgoers with this brand of petrifying pathos, Shyamalan's The Village is a mere stage 
paid diversion that fails to cough up the intelligibly seedy goods, end quote. It is the first movie where people were like, this was bad. We didn't like this. And then it goes... It just gets worse for a few years. It just gets worse for him. And he, he you know, he makes some. I'm realizing now this is the start of people going like, hmm, <laughs> I don't know. It's a whole thing with him that he was really good right out of the gate. Right out the gate. You can't start with the sixth sense. <laughs> It is unfortunate because, you know, Sixth Sense is really good. I like a lot of his movies. I get, though, the descent into that not living up to the expectation. And it's kind of really sad in that way. And I feel bad for him a little bit. It, it is. And I'm sure there's something that, like, bugs him about it. He's at least trying to live up to it. It's not really his fault that he's always going to be compared to his his greatest success. Yeah. And he's still making money, so. He's still making movies, yeah, that's the whole thing. Split was good. Split was good. Split was actually really good. Mm -hmm. Until they connected it to Unbreakable. And then the sequel kind of sucked. I was disappointed by the sequel. I didn't like the sequel. I didn't watch it. It looked like an X-Men movie, so I was like, I don't I don't think <laughs> this is what I'm... <laughs> It was pretty anticlimactic. This person says, quote, film followers of Shyamalan's big screen work will ultimately be besieged with his trademark of scattered clues and the obligatory big twists that are featured in the village. Much like the aforementioned The Sixth Sense, Shyamalan has some perverse fun trying to keep the viewer second guessing concerning this patchwork puzzle of mystery. This is all well and dandy, but what remains quite unsatisfying is the eventual buildup to the tepid tension that seems rather mechanical in its execution, end quote. Basically, this movie to them felt formulaic. I do understand what they're saying. Like, the script can be clunky sometimes, but I wouldn't call it mechanical. Like, that's not the word I would describe. I could see it as that. Okay. They also say, quote, It's nice that Shyamalan wants to draw out the disillusionment from the weary protagonist and the dire predicament, but somehow the village misses the mark because its emotional energy isn't as exhilarating in its jumpy mode as one would expect. There's never any convincing indication of experiencing that sudden jolt that takes the audience's tattered psyche into another realm. This is a draining and drippy display of a sinister story that needed more punch in its arsenal of intrigue. The edginess in the village is a manufactured dramatic iron ball that has no worthwhile bounce in its step, end quote. I understand this as well. I think what got a lot of people is it's billed as more thrillery and you're expecting to be have a lot more tension. But I feel like the tension gets taken away a little too soon in the movie. Like, I don't think that Ivy should have been told that those are the elders in the costumes. Personally, I think maybe she should have discovered that mm. rather than her dad just be pulling her aside and being like, so here's what's going on. I can see how that's the problem. Because it takes away the tension. It, yeah. And you could argue it's lazy too, because literally it is. they're just telling them. It, it's There's no discovery. There's no sneaking around. There's no there's no drama to it, really. I mean, there's, there's drama after the fact, but it's someone just pulling you aside and just telling you what's going on. And yeah, I, can, I see that point. I That's that's a fair critique. I think it would have added more drama to it as well to have it like Ivy discovers this or Lucius discovers it gets stabbed. Yeah, I thought I've, it would have been very interesting if Lucius discovered something too. And it would have added more drama and also like more rebellion because they're very, very, everyone is so, what are you, not submissive to elders, but like. I think submissive is the right word. Yeah, no one challenges them. Yeah, I think that would work with like Ivy to not challenge anything of until maybe she is forced to discover something on her own in some way. Yeah. Because she, she literally like can see people's auras or whatever. Use that. Have one of these creatures come along and she sees their aura and is like, I know this person, you know? Oh, that would have been really good, actually. Yeah. Something, something to... Dramatize it. Yeah. Dramatize it. It's a movie, you know? Yeah. I think, again, with most movies, it's about the expectation that you're going into it with. And I think, like, it's not insane for people to expect better tension from him. Okay, with this one, I, I do see that. I can I can see how it could have been improved in that way. Yeah, it's kind of boring when someone just tells you the stuff that's going on. Yeah, but they end this review with, quote, Let's just hope that M. Night Shyamalan's next project... <laughs> oh, shit. 
Let's just hope that M. Night Shyamalan's next project will be something that tiptoes in other air arenas of convention. Certainly, this intuitive filmmaker is capable of offering adventurous movies that can go beyond the standby eerie tall tales. Maybe it's time that Shyamalan spreads his creative juices and taps into other storytelling genres that may heighten his cachet as a risky artist with versatility, end quote. Well, because the next one after this is Lady in Water, right? Yeah, I believe so. That sucked really bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This next one is the last critic review, and I think you will enjoy it. This is from Jade Badowski from The Decider in 2017, and it was titled In Defense of the Village. So they start with, quote, M. Night Shyamalan catches a lot of unwarranted heat from critics and fans. While all his films may not be top-notch, he is certainly one of the most innovative storytellers of the horror genre in recent memory and has created a legacy likely to outlast any bad reviews. Some of this criticism is certainly fair, but The Village does not belong among the ranks of his misfires. The Village's unfortunate plight was likely due to expectations created by his former work. If you hated it upon first viewing, I implore you to give it another chance. The Village is a truly special film, one that is largely misunderstood by the mass end quote did i write this <laughs> <laughs> maybe is that uh, your pen name <laughs> no <laughs> i love that they they said like yeah are his films top-notch no are they good no no, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> no i love that um i i think this is it's nice to know someone else out there was like it's not that bad <laughs> it's pretty good give it a second watch you might like it <laughs> yeah like in the grand scheme of his his work it is not the worst it is not the worst. And they also say, quote, The idyllic setting with just a hint of disquiet lying beneath the surface sets the tone beautifully. Thanks to Roger Deakins' visual feast of cinematography, even the darkest scenes manage to remain engrossing and eerie. On a technical level, it's a gorgeous film, and that alone is worth appreciating. The score will haunt you for days. End quote. And then they also say, quote, What's completely astonishing about The Village, however, is how it manages to weave so many different stories together. End quote. Yeah. It definitely does. People keep saying that. And I guess I'm just in the mindset where like, they're all in the same place. So it doesn't, it doesn't feel like different stories necessarily. Like there's different characters with different things going on. But I feel like it's all there. To you, like this person, it feels like they're weaved together. Mm -hmm, yeah. For other people, I guess it didn't feel as weaved together. Okay. I guess it's just how you see it. Yeah. We have like Noah's story. We have Kitty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kitty. You know, we... Is that her name? Yeah. We have uh, Lucia, Lucius's mom's story. There's a lot of subplots there. Mm -hmm. Like you said, like they're all in the same place. They have relationships with one another. So their stories will, that's naturally how it would happen in a place like this. They would all have these inner personal relationships with each other naturally. Mm -hmm. And they also say, quote, Ivy, while the hero of the story never quite learns the whole truth, her blindness makes sure of that. It's understandable that viewers are rubbed the wrong way by his by this revelation. Shyamalan's other work until this point involved ghosts, aliens, and superheroes. Why would this one be any different? This lack of supernatural elements, however, is where the village's strengths lie. It's a film with undeniable humanity, with a yearning for hope, with a respect for the power of love. It's not a story meant to keep you up at night or hide under the covers. It's an allegory of grief and trauma and how we respond to it. You can't escape the past, no matter where you go or what era you pretend to live in. Pain, violence, and heartache are inescapable. The big question the village asks is whether or not ignorance is worth living in fear. And that, in itself, is what makes it a good movie. End quote. That's a that's a really good point. I really like how they phrased it too. Um, they said something. Oh, like when they said, um, she doesn't learn the whole truth because she's blind, so she doesn't really get to figure out what what they're hiding, what they're lying about. And that's that's the point, you know. So I understand. I understand why people would be necessarily um upset with that. You don't, or you do. I don't. I don't understand. Regardless of if that's the point, I think the fact that that was the point that was chosen is what upset people. What we're expecting from it is less like with what the message is like is ignorance truly bliss like yes she she knows part of it she knows that the elders are tricking everybody in some way but she still doesn't know that they're literally living in a different era than they have led on to believe so i think some people might wanted it to be like full revelation of the truth rather than a half revelation you know it's like it's not necessarily that that's the point of the movie it's more so like why was that a decision that was made mm. Okay, I understand it a little bit more now. But they do agree, though. Like, I like the... It's set up to be supernatural, and then it's taken down, unlike his other movies, which are, like, the opposite. I do like that factor in this movie. Yeah, and that's what it feels 
feels like he was trying to do, you know, like just to subvert the subversion of people's expectations of him was kind of a twist in itself. And sometimes when you do that as an artist, people are not always going to be on board with you doing something different than what made people love you. People don't like change. <laughs> yeah, but they end with, quote, delivered in stunning fashion by its insanely talented cast. Shyamalan's story is elevated to a place that it may never have traveled otherwise. The village's meditative, suspenseful, moving tale, one better understood if approached without preconceived notions, end quote. That's actually a really good way to put it. Mm -hmm. Are you ready to move on to audience reviews? Yes, I am. Okay, so the first one is a 10 out of 10 from IMDb from 2006 titled I'm Still in Awe. I did watch parts of this movie with my husband and I got so spooked that I didn't stay long. After he watched it all the way through, he told me I should definitely watch it. I got him this movie for Christmas 2005 and we have watched it at least 20 times since then. I'm so glad I watched this whole thing. It is one of the best movies I've ever seen and I've seen a lot of movies. It's so beautiful. The filming, the music, the story, the premise. I just got so caught up in Ivy and Lucius's love. It's just wonderful. I think I I've always wondered what it would be like to live in a simpler time and this movie lets me just immerse myself in that time. I've already let two of my coworkers borrow the movie and another is in line now. Oh, that's nice. I'm also very lucky that I have a partner who really likes this movie. You wouldn't be together. If <laughs> oh no, there'd be problems. <laughs> 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 but no, I, I I really like this one. It's very sweet. I'm, I'm glad they have co-workers that also enjoyed it or want to see it. Yeah. Kind of most of this for me when finding reviews is I wanted to convey to you that like there are more people on the side that you're on than you think. Yeah. It's just some of the angry people are a lot louder. It's, this is definitely one of those movies where if you don't think about it very hard, you're really going to like it. Yeah. Just enjoy what's there, you know? Donnie Darko, we said the same exact yep. thing. Like, you just don't think about it, don't okay? Don't think so hard. Turn that brain off. You're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> you are. <laughs> Especially with Donnie Darko. God. <laughs> But time travel it's just we're not talking about it I, i'm not i had to yell at austin i was like it's time travel and i'm not gonna sit here and pretend i know anything else <laughs> if you will take the evil dead movies at face value you can shut the fuck up no kidding <laughs> no kidding Oh, I love like, that. Explain the time travel in Evil Dead 2 to me, okay? <laughs> explain that. Explain that. If you're going to ask questions about Johnny Darko, explain that shit to me. No. <laughs> exactly. 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 <laughs> oh, that was good. Great, great first review. Love it. Love it. Three stars from 2023 on Letterboxd. It's the dialogue. M. Night has a dialogue problem. It's robotic, choppy, and unnatural. It takes away so much charisma and personality this movie could have had. I don't think... It takes away so much that I hate it. Yeah, but I un I agree. I can I can I can get behind that a little bit. Mm -hmm. He tried. Is it worth hating this movie over? No, I still like it. But I understand. I understand how you can't get into the fantasy because of it. I can. <laughs> yes, but uh, I can understand how a lot of people can't. We know how you feel. I understand that. <laughs> no, I keep going like that's not how I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> a star and a half from 2022 on Letterboxd. Oh, the Midsummer guy loved this, didn't he? It's <laughs> a good one. It's a good one. He probably did. He probably did. One star 2020 on Letterboxd. Are you fucking serious? It's literally over the hedge. <laughs> I, that's the best one. That's gotta be the best one. That's hilarious. Oh my God. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it is over the hedge. Okay, one out of 10 on IMDb titled The Village is Not to be Seen from 2004. Never before as an audience member have I felt so blatantly manipulated. Suspenseful music that at its climax comes to rest on views of gently bending trees or a peacefully rippling stream. The audience is tricked into believing it is a simpler time. Period clothing, cumbersome speech, large outdoor pilgrim-like feasts, and worst of all, a tombstone placing the date as 1897. The last was cheap. Why, when no one else in the village except those prolific procreating elders know what the actual date is anyway? Red hair, red lipstick, when red is verboten. The blind woman who sees in color don't ask me what color you are, the security guy lifting meds, the newspaper with all the murder and bad news, open juxtapose M. Night in a reflection of a medicine cabinet, please. This movie is vying with The Phantom Menace and Beethoven's Second as the worst movie I have ever seen. Oh my god. I understand the logic that they're questioning here. Because they could have just said it was whatever date it was. What do you mean? Like, they could have been like, oh yeah, it's 2004. You know? It didn't have to be 1897. It didn't, and 
and that's what I was trying to say earlier. Like, you know how she, Ivy's character wasn't blind and she could see the car. I, I don't know if that, I was making much sense with that. But the fact that they're like, yeah, it's 1897. Yeah, they could have said 2004. The kids aren't going to know, you know, like anything different. They didn't have to put the tombstone with the date 1897 on it, you know, like that didn't need to be there. Like it, it, for the characters, because like it's it, for the audience. We did. I know they're trying to like convince us to different time period. They didn't need to straight up say 1897 on a tombstone to do that. Yeah. So I understand why they thought that specifically was cheap. Mm, yeah, I could see that because like we can just look around and and think to our ourselves oh it's not this is a period piece it's old timey i get that okay to me i think it just it helps solidify this is where we are yeah but was that necessary to manipulate the audience that far i can see how it could be overkill maybe yes because it's another why are you telling us kind of thing I, it seems like a lack of faith in everything else that's built up all of the set design and the costuming and the way they took like all of that shit feels like it should be enough and they shouldn't have to straight up put the date on a tombstone yeah i get that without the tombstone i think i would have been fine and i would disagree with this person because the rest of the things that they're complaining about are just filmmaking and also they don't have makeup on this person's lying about that so yeah i have a star from 2020 on letterbox god can you imagine if this shit was for real the government and park rangers would agree not to go in there but youtubers would be hopping those walls every eight hours for spooky content mm-hmm mm-hmm again they would not last long a star and a half from 2014 fuck me this movie's a mess i was on board and somewhat intrigued for the first 50 minutes the premise was maddeningly vague and i was desperate to see just what was going on but i was also enraptured by the relationship between joaquin phoenix and bryce dallas howard's characters then this gets dropped along with my interest i can't put it any better than roger ebert to call it an anti-climax would be an insult not only to climaxes but prefixes <laughs> it is messy filmmaking it's mess it's messy writing the more we talk about it, the more i kind of kind of see it you get invested in them and then he gets stabbed and he's gone for the whole movie that is actually true it's right after they're like i will marry you tomorrow or whatever i like that delivery that's that's actually pretty similar to um how he says it <laughs> Thank you. One out of 10 from IMDb titled Twist Ending That Does Not Twist So Much from 2004. When I was very young, our teacher read us a book called The Giver. Oh. I think it won the Newbery Medal. I know what the book they're talking about. Yeah, I had to read that too. Mm -hmm. Anyways, this movie was sort of similar to that, only really bad. This guy is a much better director than a writer. The ending is so obvious so as to not be obvious. In other words, you'll be like, aha, like 30 minutes in, and then realize that that would be way too stupid for a movie this long. And then you realize that you were right, and then the movie ends 30 minutes later. If you're going to watch it, only watch the first 30 minutes. They're pretty good, and you don't need to see how it ends. Really, some good performances, good camera work, story is crap, I really expected a lot about it, out of it, but it was it was very bad. The story is similar to The Giver. I'll give them that. It that book is always in the back of my head when I think about this movie. I couldn't remember it, but yeah, it is actually pretty similar. Do you agree? I think he is much better at directing. Like I think he needs a writing partner. Yeah, somebody to check his work. <laughs> Someone to edit. <laughs> Half a star from 2022 on Letterboxd. Tell me why I saw a bitch wearing Levi's. <laughs> what the fuck? That's so good. <laughs> Oh my god. I think you could be like, oh, there's probably, you know, they had clothes from the old world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Honestly though, that's probably what it is. Like it's not even like yeah. you could you could call it a goof, but it's also like you know, like I guess they just took some clothes with them <laughs> when they went out there. Yeah, because what you have this whole new generation of people who don't know they don't know anything other than what you tell them. They don't know anything other than what you tell them. There is so much shit you could make up. Also, I would hate to be a woman in the village because how many fucking layers of clothing you have to wear all year round? A petticoat? Are you kidding me? It, it just sounds awful. Like, it was only necessary to go that far for the story itself. It was not logical to do that much. I understand he was like a, an American history professor from this, taught this era, so he knows a lot about those things. But come on, dude, make your life a little easier. A little bit easier. Just a little easier. It's, it's for the audience and for the twist, but logically yeah, it's, yeah it doesn't make it. losses i will say that i actually will say that that's something i've i thought about for a while with this movie because we sit there thinking it's like they didn't have to do all this it was literally just to make the twist in the story work yeah that's all yeah 
Yeah, it is. <laughs> One out of 10 from IMDb titled Horror Version of the Truman Show from 2005. Not wrong. Not wrong. Not wrong so far. Yeah. From the beginning, the character setting of the movie, the mystery surrounding the village and the monster were very interesting and believable, but the ending just made it absolutely meaningless and idiotic. I think anyone watching this movie must be told of this most idiotic ending so that they can decide if they want to waste hour and a half on this movie. I believe if the audience finds out at the end the village was surrounded by alien civilizations in some faraway planet would have been <laughs> would have made much more sense. However, the big question is, what about the airplanes? <laughs> I, I like that they were in it up until the twist, at least. Yeah, I really like that they hated the twist. I can respect someone hating the twist of a movie more than somebody just being like, I hated it the whole time. They saw the potential. Yeah, definitely. But they just didn't like the twist. That is actually pretty interesting. I can't argue with that. Yeah. This next one is a half star from 2018 on Letterboxd. I don't even want to talk about this. The Village is without a doubt one of the worst films I've ever seen. This only has a half half a star because of the soundtrack and Roger Deakins cinematography. Yeah. The vibes can save it sometimes. Not for this person, but maybe to someone else. <laughs> this next one is three stars from, from Letterboxd from 2020. M. Night Shyamalan is such an ambitious, humane, and passionate filmmaker that I really wish I'd find myself more drawn into his films than I actually am. The Sixth Sense still bangs, though. Absolutely beautiful score, and Roger Deakins continues to prove he's one of the best cinematographers in the business, but unfortunately, I only found myself captivated by the narrative during some bits. Regardless, Shyamalan is still a very interesting filmmaker, and I'll still continue to watch more of his movies, with hopes of finding something else I enjoy as much of this as The Sixth Sense, if not more. And personally, The Sixth Sense is my favorite of his movies. So I get I get this person. They just like a lot of his fans. They just they just want something to live up to how that movie made them feel watching it the first time, you know? No, I get that. Yeah. Got fucking Bruce Willis, Tony Collette. Both really amazing in that movie too. But Tony Collette's always amazing. This person is clearly still a fan of him as a filmmaker. I do I do like how like, you know, they still gave it its credit where credit's due, you know? Two stars from 2017. Truly the pinnacle of acting was Joaquin Phoenix dropping to the floor immediately after being stabbed in the stomach by a three-inch blade. It hurt. <laughs> yeah, but he just went and fell over, you know? It was, I, I read this and then I was waiting for this scene when I watched it and I was like, yeah. If you if you if you don't think about it too hard, you will not find issues with this movie. He <laughs> just fucking drops like he got shot. He got stabbed in the stomach. Yes, it hurts, but I don't think you would drop like a fucking fly. He's a drama queen. And they put it in slow motion, at least, you know, like have him fall slowly. I think sometimes I can make it worse, in my opinion, depending on how it looks. Yeah, but if you're trying, I don't know, this is just like dramatic in a different way. Like a, a kid who got kicked in the shin, you know? <laughs> yeah. He dropped like he immediately died, you know? <laughs> he got stabbed in the stomach. That's not gonna kill you immediately. Maybe he fainted. Maybe he got lightheaded and fainted because he just saw himself get stabbed. That's where I think a slow motion would work better. If it's just like his face like slowly fainting. Oh, okay. You know, instead of just dropping like a goddamn fly. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I ran out of excuses for it. You can't, you can't make can't. this. You can't spin this I one. Can't. You can't spin this one. <laughs> Okay, two stars for 2021 on Letterboxd. I was so disappointed with this film as it had such a great cast, and I do like what I've seen from M. Night Shyamalan so far, but I just found this film really boring and uninteresting, and I really do not like the subplot revolving around Joaquin Phoenix's character's love life. That's my favorite part. <laughs> I love that part. Again, it just gets cut short so soon for how much they try to invest you into it. There's no like reuniting at the end kind of thing. It's just like, oh, she got the medicine. Now it's over. Yeah, because he doesn't get cured. I will say this, and all people are not going to like the solution. But again, they could have made the movie longer. I just think it's less so make it longer and more so take some things out. Again, he just needs a co-writer. He, needs, he a just co -writer. needs a co-writer. Because this is just purely like first draft shit, you know? Yeah. One out of 10 on IMDb titled, huh? From 2004. Okay, um, 
Mr. Shyamalan, what the hell happened to you? This was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. The acting was pretty good, but the movie was pathetic. The surprise ending wasn't even a surprise. It wasn't even an ending. The film started from nowhere and ended up nowhere. Throughout the whole thing, I kept thinking, maybe something will happen now. Maybe something will happen now. Nothing ever happened. Completely overhyped. The trailer was cool, but the movie was a disaster. I want my money back. You can't remember it. <laughs> Too bad. Uh, maybe nothing ever happened. There's lots of stuff that happens in this movie. Stab. There's monsters. A lot of stuff that I'm... I will say that I'm kind of getting the argument with the subplots a little more because it's like, if it was gonna lack tension in these places, why the fuck do I care that his mommy has a crush on the lead dude? Oh, yeah, that one's frustrating because it doesn't go anywhere. Nothing ever comes of it. That's okay. I forgot about that one. Exactly. <sighs> yeah, I get that. I get that one. I don't think it's completely a pointless journey, you know? No. I just think time could have been better spent. Yeah. Or at least like give us something out of it because nothing, nothing came out of that. Again, I I just, I understand how it's frustrating for some people. Yeah. Yeah. Two stars, 2021. Eh. Always found this one uh, underwhelming. Yeah, I think there's a lot to say about fanaticism, religion, tradition, but it's never enough as soon as the twist happens. It really sucks the air out of this thing. All of the effective tension and atmosphere really just goes out the window, which is fine if the commentary was stronger. Always left with so much to be desired. Really a bummer. Mm. I agree with the commentary part. I, I think it's a little gentle on like the messaging. Mm, you wanted more. Yeah, you really, really have to think about the movie to- To get something out of it, I guess, to get that commentary. Yeah. And what's there for most people is like kind of a baseline thought that you probably already had. Mm -hmm. If the tension and atmosphere part still went away, if the commentary of the movie and what it was trying to say was stronger, I think it would be more enjoyable. I get that. And I, they also did not appreciate the twist, which is interesting. Because with what is built up, the twist does undermine everything. Mm, yeah. And like anything where you're like, oh, I'm supposed to care about this. I'm supposed to care about this. It's like, well, it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> it's all made up anyway. Yeah. These are the last two. They're both positive. Mm. This has no stars from 2016 on Letterboxd. Every movement of the camera motivated by sentiment, feeling the senses of observation. A supreme masterpiece of cinema of mourning because it opens with trauma and ends with love. Hurt's love speech and the slow motion anchored in the clasping of hands. Two anchors in a world filled with grief. And as much as I am wary of reducing horror films to analogies of their political context, this is the American post-9-11 Bush-era film. Nothing sinister, but rather paternalistic. The noble lies that breed even deeper wounds and fanatic avoidance of the healing powers of truth. They took this movie. <laughs> wow. Again, you do have to think a little hard to get there, though. Oh, I couldn't even think of something like this. In no way would I yeah. would I even say this. I I'm not saying they're wrong. I just don't <laughs> I don't see it. No, no. I I I get I get what they're mm -hmm. saying. I just don't think it's as obvious. Like I said, like you have to think really hard. pretty hard about this movie to get there. there. There is like an interesting thing with um like post 9-11 Bush era films mm -hmm. in America. Like there there is like a lot to be said around that. And I think what they're saying is accurate. It's like the intentions of the lie were not inherently sinister. Mm -hmm. They were out of a need to protect. It, but is lying to protect someone good for them like are you doing more harm by lying than just being truthful yeah the last of us joel yeah like yeah a lot like the last of us yeah mm -hmm. and i think in this era there's kind of this like sheltering mindset it, it's easier to lie than have to tell the bad truth i guess i think it's a really like an interesting way to look at this movie yeah definitely a very interesting way to look at this movie because Yes, the world at that time was very grief-stricken, especially America, and we were being pushed to feel the grief of 9-11 a lot as children. Not to get into it, but I remember being sat in an auditorium and played 9-11 memorial videos every year after at school. Was it better to sugarcoat it or lie about it yep. than it is to just shove it in children's faces? Yeah, that's one, yeah, definitely... Definitely a way to look at it. The last review I have is a 10 out of 10 from IMDb titled Ignore the Critics from 2022. 
Recently, April 2022, a very fine actress was quoted as giving one of the most incredible reviews of critics that I have ever read. Quote, critics absolutely serve no purpose, end quote. I could not agree more, and those critical of this film are a perfect case in point. Truly one of the finest films ever, in all respects. All of the actors give fine performances, and it is the work of Bryce Dallas Howard that truly left me breathless. My only sorrow is that she has not been given subsequent vehicles worthy of her amazing talent. She's a good director, though, too. And I, I'm, I'm glad that she's going that way. Yeah, just like her dad. I really like this one, and I'm going to be quoting it next week a lot. <laughs> yeah, yes. I think, I, I don't, I don't know, I feel like especially an actress saying that, like I understand where that's coming from. And I understand that, yeah, some critics are adding nothing to the experience of something. Yeah. Some people, especially this with this movie, they're just shitting on it to shit on it. And we've said a lot, there are critics who seem like they're just writing a negative review to keep up with the times and be relevant. Yep. But you can't have art without criticism. You can't have art without analysis or else every piece of art would be good. Yeah, no, no kidding. And everyone's a critic. Everyone. It's human nature to criticize. Exactly. So it's it's not an unavoidable thing in no way, yeah. shape, or form. I, I understand the sentiment, but I don't think that they serve zero purpose. And that's not just because of how what this podcast is, you know, and like essentially what we're doing is- Criticism. We're cr yeah. And I don't say that just because we're saying <laughs> this, but I, I think like outside of what we're doing, a lot of critics have helped and served a purpose. I don't think it's fair to say they serve zero purpose. No kidding. And and like, I, and I get it. There can be some really obnoxious critics out there with obnoxious reviews. Unethical. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Like. But also there's like, ever since we started this, I mean, getting to read Richard Probe's reviews and the way he writes about some of my favorite movies. I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's sometimes it's really amazing. Yeah. and Beautiful. It's art in itself. That's the whole thing. It's just I, when you get to read something like that about something you love, and sometimes even if it's negative, it can breathe. It's about, it's analyzing. It's proving points. It's going, it's not just going, I didn't like it. It's going, this is why I didn't like it or why this isn't good. And it can be insight. It can be insightful. All of it can be insightful. Yeah. And I think at a certain point, sometimes like with this movie, you love this movie, mm -hmm. but you couldn't fully articulate why somebody else might not. Not to say it changed your mind about it, but it, it opens your mind a little bit, strictly depending on where a critic is coming from. Like some people do not have good intentions in their, in their criticisms mm -hmm. and their reviews of things. Other people, all they want to do is go in with the best intentions and show you what could be wrong with something or what could be great about something. Yeah. I get I get what they're saying though. I don't know why I went on that tirade about critics, but No, I thought I thought it was very good. I think it was very interesting and I love that it it, it came from this, you know. I like this review a lot. Yeah. And I, I just think to round out that little rant, I think saying Something like critics absolutely serve no purpose as a double-edged sword, especially coming from someone in the industry. Definitely. We love to criticize, and but we also like to praise. When we really like something, we love to talk about it. So it, it, it can be good and bad. Yeah. But back to us as critics, what would you rate The Village? 10 out of 10. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say it. I love this movie a lot. It, it's a 7 out of 10. And I think especially if I'm drinking, it's an 8 out of 10. But I think yeah. on today, I'm going to leave it with a 7 out of 10. Yeah, understandable. I think I would say 5 out of 10. All right. But is there anything else that you wanted to add? No, no, I think we've said it all. Okay. So if you have any recommendations for movies for us to review, or you have any criticisms or gr grievances or compliments for us, you can reach us. <laughs> I should just say feedback. <laughs> Only compliments. Only compliments and complaints, please. <laughs> if you have any feedback for us, you can reach us on our Instagram at Easy Bake Takes. We also have a TikTok at Easy Bake Takes. We have our website, EasyBakeTakesPodcast.com, where we post review overviews and transcripts of our episodes. And we post those review overviews on Letterboxd, and you can follow us there if you'd like. And don't forget to follow us, leave us a rating, and share us with a friend, because it really helps us out a lot. And... Thank you so much for listening. My name is Kat. And I'm Riley. This has been Easy Bake Takes. Easy watching out there. Bye. Bye.